Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, God, for Sundays, Sunday mornings, especially time that we have carved out in our schedule that is for this. For you, for the people of God, for the church, for the commitment to hearing the word preached out loud. We ask, Father, that now you would teach us from it. God, the Bible says that the word is active and living, it's powerful, and that it's able to, to get up into us, into our hearts, and convict us of our sins. And Father, while that's not necessarily an enjoyable thing, it does give life and freedom. And so we ask God to do that today. We ask that you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God, would come into our hearts through the truth. And draw us to you. We pray, God, show us your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would, please turn your Bible to Exodus 33. Exodus 33, as we're moving right along to the book of Exodus. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, you can grab a pew Bible. That's the black Bible there in front of you. And it would be page 79. Page 79. It's, an, it's important to us that we uh, follow along with the preacher according to the the Bible, so that we can best understand what's going on. Had a good weekend with the Fairdale Fair. Was able to take the family there both Friday night and then yesterday and last night. And the kids love that. And I've heard a couple of you all say that the Fairdale Fair weekend is the best weekend of the year. Um, I love hearing y'all say that. It certainly is a lot of excitement. Fairdale is loaded with people. I tried yesterday at the end of the parade to come down Fairdale Road. And after sitting on Fairdale Road in front of the park for about 30 minutes, I turned around and went another way. Because there's so many people here during the Fairdale parade and for the fair. And uh, I, I enjoy it. We, we, we had such a good time. And last night after it was over, we took the, the kids home and put them to bed. And then, and then I came back and got a couple people to help me and, and broke down the fair booth. And, and this was at like 10 or, or 10.30 last night. And Faraday was still hopping and buzzing. And there were people everywhere. But more accurately, there were kids everywhere. There were teenagers everywhere. And I was reminded yet again why our church is so focused on the young people why I'm asking God to make us better at ministering and discipling young people. They're everywhere. I mean, hundreds at 11 o'clock last night, hundreds of teenagers walking around Fairdale. If you were out, you would have seen that. Um, when I got unloaded and you have to like drive two miles an hour to get from the elementary school to here because there were kids everywhere. I guarantee you there were 30 kids standing in the Dairy Queen parking lot. There were probably another 40 or 50 at the gas station parking lot. When I came over here, there were about 15 girls. I mean, about 15 people, several just hardcore making out on the volleyball field uh, right here. Um, so I jumped out of the truck and said, what do you, you know, what's up? What are y'all doing? They ran off towards 10 door. I came back here and there were another 20 some back here playing basketball. I pulled up and watched them and they thought I was going to get on them. I said, no, nah, I'm just trying to see if y'all are any good. We might come back here and play if y'all are. They bricked the shot. I said, nah, I pulled away. Uh, but kids everywhere. Seriously, kids everywhere. 11 o'clock at night. I didn't see anybody doing anything wrong. I'm sure some were. But just teenagers everywhere. And I was reminded of, uh, man, there's a, there's a big challenge before us to connect with them and let them know about Jesus. 
and how good He is for our lives and the Savior that He can be to them. I also got reminded about my high school days. And back in high school, we, we loved hanging out. We would have been doing the same thing, just running around, having a good time. Um, and we had a saying that, that I'm sure you've thought about before. We used to always say that fun's not really about what you're doing. Fun is about what you're doing, whatever you're doing, with who you're doing it with. Fun's not about what you're doing. Fun's about who you're doing it with. So we used to always say, we don't need anything to do. No plans tonight. Okay, great. As long as we're together, we're having a fun time. Going to Walmart with your buddies is a blast. You know that. Right? So when you hear people start saying they're bored, they're not talking about what to do, really. They might not want to admit it. But rather, there's nobody to do anything with. Right? The presence of other people. Maybe that's your parents. Maybe that's not your parents. Maybe that's your friends. Maybe that's girls. You know, whatever. The presence of other people is what makes all the difference. And I want to tell you today that biblically speaking, for those of us who know God, it is God's presence that makes all the difference. It is the deciding factor between our stability or our lack of. Between our joy or our lack of joy. The presence of God is the thing that makes all the difference. And in Exodus chapter 33, it is said as clear as it could possibly said. It's a famous passage, if you will, on the presence of God. I ask you to read with me, beginning at Exodus 33. Remember what just happened last week, right? Exodus 32, they made a golden calf. Moses is up on the mountain uh, talking to God and he takes his time. He's delayed, it says. So the people say, we don't know where Moses is. We're not sure what's going on with him. Uh, Aaron, they go to second in charge. Aaron, uh, could you make us a God so that we could have a God that would lead us and to guide us and that we could worship? It is an awful moment in the history of the people of God. And that's what they say. And so Aaron does that. He takes their gold and he melts it down and forms it into a golden calf. And they start worshiping this golden calf. It's awful. And that's where we end with chapter 32 with Moses saying, I'm going to go talk to God and and maybe perhaps he'll uh, make atonement for your sin. We pick up at chapter 33. The Lord said to Moses, depart to go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, saying to your offspring, I will give it. Now, let me stop right there. Remember, this is what the promise has been all along. God has told his people that he's going to make them into a great nation and he will give them their own land. And so now that they're out of slavery in Egypt, God is leading them to that land. They don't exactly know where it is. He's leading them there. Now, this leading is taking a long time and there's a lot of complaining and a lot of frustration. And they are often turning their backs on God instead of trusting that God will keep his promise. But that's what he's talking about. To the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, uh, I will give it to you. Now, verse two. I will send an angel before you and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hittites and the Jebusites. Now, listen, he's saying whatever gets in your way, I'm going to remove it. There's all these people. There's all these nationalities. They're in your way and you don't think it's going to be easy, but I'll get rid of them. I will drive them out. Verse three. 
Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. So the land they're going to is going to be awesome. It's going to be plentiful. It's going to have abundance. They're going to like it there. But look what he says next. But I will not go up among you. Lest I consume you on the way. For you are a stiff necked people. And that's where the Bible gets real. God has just said, I'm going to take y'all to the promised land. God has just said, if there's anything in your way, I'll clear it out of the way. You won't really have many obstacles. God has just said, when you get there, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a land flowing with milk and honey. You're going to have resources. It's going to be easy and good to go for you. God has just told them, I'm going to send an angel to lead you there. Sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds really good. Unfortunately, many people in the world right now would say, I'll take it. But then God says one more thing. He says, I'm not going with you. I'm not going with you. He says, if I go with you, I'll consume you. You're a stiff-necked, hard-hearted, stubborn, sinful people. He said, I'll destroy you if I go with you. Now, why? Why is he saying that? Well, because in the midst of all this promise and this leading and the goodness that God has given them, as soon as God was delayed a little bit, they turned their back on God and said, Aaron, make for us a God. And he did. And they started worshiping a golden calf. They turned on God that easily. I want to read this quote to you here from Douglas Stewart. He says, God had said bluntly, even if it was only a rhetorical threat that he would eventually not carry out, That he himself would not go with them. And now they had mourned because what they had so craved and had tried to manufacture direct divine presence. Listen to that. Was now even further removed from them than it had been. The rest of the journey would require even more faith, not less. And would be even more frightening because the people would be more on their own than they had been. Listen here, folks. This is a this is a a, a principle that applies to my life and your life so much. What they had wanted and desired as a good thing, the presence of God, they tried to manufacture in their own way, on their own terms. And it ended up hurting them. Listen to me, church. You thinking that you know what you need and trying to make it happen will not work. You must go to God and what he says and do what he says and listen to what he says and let God be your source. They knew that they needed God with them, but God was taking his time. So instead of waiting on God, like the Bible says for us to wait on God, they went and created a God and said, God, will you take care of us? And what they thought was going to help them ended up what? Hurting them. Not only hurting them in the meantime, because there's no way a false God can satisfy, but it's also hurting them in the long term, because when God finally did come back, he said, no, I'm not going with you. And I want to ask you here today, if you can be honest enough that there's times where God's way seems to not be fast enough for you or God's way seems to not be good enough for you or not be right enough for you or pure enough for you or something like that. And you say, you know what, I'm just going to do it this way. And you know, there are a lot of people out there, many folks who aren't in church today, who's saying they are believing in God, but they're going to do life their way because, hey, it works. And God has come to the point where he says, you keep doing it that way and I'm not with you. I want us to see here that this is a bad thing when God says, I'm going to send you, I'm going to take care of you, my angel's going to lead you. 
I'm going to remove the obstacles. It's going to be awesome when you get there. But I won't be. And I want to ask you, how do you feel about that? I want to ask you for a second. If you would be honest with yourself, is that you right now? Is that your family? You think you know where you're going? You think you're going to heaven? God's got an angel leading you? And matter of fact, there's abundance all over things. The money's flowing. Everybody's got a car. Everybody's healthy. It looks like things are good. And you're so much on the busy track, on the fast track, on the going with the good track, that you don't even know if God's with your family right now. You don't even know if God is with you right now. You don't even know if His presence is there. Because that's where they're at in this situation. The commentator goes on to say that by reason of God's words, they knew that their God had partially rejected them. And they felt the impact of this rejection. He goes on to write, God admits no one on earth into his full presence because he does not tolerate sin in proximity to himself. The closer a sinful being would get to the true God, the greater the danger of that person's destruction. That's why he says there, I will not go up among you lest I consume you on the way. And I want to ask you here today if you could say, wow, I just thought that because I wear the name of Christian and because I have a church and because an angel's leading me and because my obstacles have been removed and because I know that where I'm going is a good place, I must have the presence of God. And I want to ask you here today, do you have the presence of God? I want to give you three points around this idea. The first is the desire of the godly. The desire of the godly. The second is the distinction of the godly. And the third is the declaration of the godly. The desire of the godly, the distinction of the godly, and the declaration of the godly. I want to jump down, if you will, to verse 12. We'll start from there. Moses said to the Lord, see... You say to me, bring up this people like you just did. I just read. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moses is saying, I I don't know who's going with me or who's not. I don't know exactly what's going on. Yet you have said, I know you by my name. And you also have also found favor in my sight. See, God is telling Moses or Moses is telling God that you have told me I found favor. God, you have told me that I know you by name. Moses does, right? We know that. Moses is God's man. God has chosen him. Moses is the one that God is working through. Moses is the one who has found favor in the sight of God. And God is going to lead his people through Moses. And Moses now is reminding God of that. Verse 13. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways. There you start to see the desire of the godly. Moses knows what God has said to him. Moses knows that he is the one who has found favor in the sight of God. But that doesn't leave him at that. Folks, listen to me. The desire of a godly person, if that's you, is not that at one point God did something good for you. Not that at one point you got baptized. or Not that at one point uh, you felt like you had a relationship with God. The desire of a person of God is that you always, always, always are wanting to know God and who he is and what he's like and what his ways are. God is what you think about. Moses just affirms God in all of these things. Yeah, I know. Oh, I've got your favor, God. 
Now, I ask you, please show me your ways. And I'm going to ask you in your prayer life. When was the last time you prayed? Show me your ways. I want to encourage you when we meet for Wednesday nights and we spend time in prayer like I so love on Wednesday nights. I want to ask you if you'd start adding something like that to your prayer sheet. We're all for praying for people to get healed who are sick. But we need to understand that the desire of the godly is for God to show us what he's doing, where he's going and where he's leading us. He says, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. We saw this last week and we see it again. God knows uh, Moses knows that God is upset with his people. They have absolutely in pride and sinful rejected God. And Moses is reminding them, these are your people. These are the ones you made a promise to. These are the ones that you said you're going to turn into a great nation in the promised land. Don't destroy them. Don't leave them alone. Don't abandon them. They need your presence. Verse 14, and he said, my presence will go with you. Does everybody see that? God had just said up in verse 3 that he will not go with them. But now verse 14, he's changed his mind and he says, I will go with you. What was the difference? The pleading of Moses, the prayers of Moses, the faith of Moses. Listen, the desire of the godly, number one, is the presence of God. The desire of the godly is the presence of God. And in verse three, Moses said, God says, I'm not going with you. Moses starts praying and talking to God. In verse 14, God says, "Okay." My presence will go with you. Read verse 14 again. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, here's I want you to see what Moses says. If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. What a statement. God says, I will go with you. And Moses makes a statement that comes and reveals his heart. That I'm praying the teenagers in Fairdale would one day understand. God, if you're not going with us, don't even take us. I want to ask you if that's the desire for you and your family and your life and your future. You might remove all the obstacles, God. You might give me my own personal angel that leads me all day. God, you might take me to a place where the money and the resources and the success are overflowing like milk and honey. I don't even want it. It doesn't appeal to me for a second. Don't even think about it, God. Thanks, but no thanks. Give me Jesus. I want you, God. You're all I want. Moses. We already knew it before, but we see it as bright as we ever have right now. Is a man of God. He says, God, if you're not going to lead us, don't take us. All we want is to be with you. That, folks, is the desire of the godly. The presence of God. And I want to ask you if you'll be honest with yourself. Do you love the presence of God? Do you have the presence of God? I want to tell you that the presence of God being the desire of God's people is the way it's always been and is the the way it always will be. 
You can think of passage after passage after passage where the godly is confident in heart and in mind and in the flesh that because God is with them, that is plenty enough. Do you remember when the prophets of Baal wanted to challenge Elijah? And Elijah was all the more confident that he knew he had God. So he said, all right, let's do this. And he absolutely blows those prophets away with the presence of God. Do you remember when the giant Goliath comes out to fight and everybody else is scared? There's no way we could beat him. He's bigger than us and stronger than us and better than us. And David says, oh, yeah, but there's one more factor to this match. I got God on my side and this is God's battle. And guess who wins battles when God gets involved? David says, if God's with me, we can't lose. Do you remember when the king comes to Daniel and says, "Uh, Daniel, if you pray to anybody else other than me, you're going to be thrown into the lion's den. And Daniel says, "Okay, uh, throw into the lion's den or pray. And he says, I'll pray. Because if God's on my side, lions are pets and fun and easygoing. And they throw Daniel into the lion's den and the next morning they get there and is nothing wrong. Why? Because God was with him. Do you remember when Daniel's friends would not eat the king's stuff? And they said, if you don't eat the king's stuff, we're going to throw you into the fiery furnace. And they said, OK, eat my vegetables or get thrown into the fiery furnace. And they said, no, we're not going to eat your food. So you know what happened? They threw him in the fiery furnace. You know what happened in the fiery furnace? God showed up. They looked into the fiery furnace and said, hey, didn't we throw three people into the fiery furnace? But there's four in there now. And so they pulled him out and there wasn't even a hair. There wasn't even a hair singed on them. Why? Because God was with them. And I wonder if right now it feels like life is too messed up for you. You don't know how you can go another day. And the one thing you've forgotten about is the presence of God. I wonder when was the last time you got on your knees, seriously. I'll confess to y'all, I don't get on my knees every day. I don't get on my knees until I have to get on my knees because life's falling apart. When was the last time you got on the knees, on your knees, and said, God, I can't handle this? Because that's what Moses said. God, it would be cool. To travel the world and find the promised land, have an angel lead us and watch you remove all obstacles. But I'm not here for a fun ride, God. I desire you. God, if you're not going to go with us, don't take us. That's the, the heart of the godly. And I ask today that you would get right with God. And you would say, God, be with me. Do you remember the promise that Jesus gave the last thing before he ascended up into heaven? Do you remember that? And remember, I am with you always, even until the end. The last thing Jesus said before he ascended up into heaven, according to the Gospel of Matthew. Remember this, folks. I am with you always. Jesus knows that Jesus' people have the answer, have their concrete foundation, 
have their hope and their strength, their joy and their peace, not in stuff, but in Him. The presence of God. That's the desire of the godly. Secondly, not only do the godly have a desire, but the godly have a distinction. Y'all don't like for me to go here, but the Bible takes us there. Look at verse 16. Moses now asked a question to God that is a rhetorical question, but it is one that really, really hurts. And if you're a young person here today, I hope that you're really, really listening. And if you're a grandparent here today, I hope that you're really, really listening. Verse 16, Moses says, God, for how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? If your life looks just like your messed up, lost neighbor's life. If your life's no different from your unbelieving atheist family members. Can you hear Moses' question today? Can you be honest enough to let your toes be stepped on? Not for me. I, 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 don't, I don't typically come as strong as Moses does. He says, God... If you're not going to lead us, if you're not going with us, don't bring us up from here. Because listen, God, it is only through you being with us that we have any distinction at all. The world is full of people. Fairdale is full of good folks, right? I like to be involved at the high school. I saw so many Fairdale High School athletic shirts at the fair yesterday. I'm not the only person who likes to be involved at the high school, right? There should be a distinction, though, when Josh Green's at the high school. And what's the distinction, Moses says? The presence of God. There should be a distinction when somebody gets to have dinner with you and they see a grateful, humble, overflowing of appreciation to God that He's provided yet another meal and perhaps a dining room table to sit around and perhaps the thankfulness of the mom that has spent her time over the hot oven or a stove making it happen. There should be a distinction in the way we treat those people who sin against us and the way the lost world treats the people that sin against us. There should be a distinction. There should be a distinction all day long on how we treat, with our, treat our kids and how the world treats their kids. There should be a distinction all the day long how we spend our money, especially the overflow of our money. There should be a distinction all day long on what our Saturday nights look like and what our Sunday mornings look like. Moses knows this. Not only does Moses know this, but Moses is telling this to God. I mean, it's, it's fascinating the way Moses is doing it. He says, God, you have to go with us. What you're doing is creating a people. Remember, God is creating a people for his glory. And he's going to send them somewhere and set them up as the people who worship God on earth. And the whole world will see these people saved by God, rescued by God, set free by God. And saying, those are the people of God. He takes care of them. And Moses knows this, so he says, God, isn't your presence what's going to make us this thing? How are you not going to go with us? We want you to go with us, and with you being with us is what will cause us to be what we say we are. And I think sometimes we forget that. 
Folks, saying that we are the people of God without the presence of God makes you and I look like a joke and the world knows it. Saying that we are the people of God without the presence of God makes everybody think, you know what? It's not worth waking up on a Sunday. My Saturday wore me out. I need a day to sleep in and recharge my batteries. Because they don't see the presence of God in us. Moses knows this. No, God, don't take me to the promised land without you. You know what a religious person who has land flown with milk and honey that's got angels around them and got no obstacles looks like to the world without the presence of God? Looks like an uppity, better than an, holier than now. I got it all worked out. My life's easy, so I don't know what you small people are dealing with. That's what it looks like. And that's why you hear it all the time from the world that that's what religious people are. Because we got everything that God gives except the presence of God. And that hurts. And so Moses, being a man of God who has a desire for God, the presence of God says, no, no, no. Don't put us in that position. Don't, God. It's awesome. Please don't hear me trying to step on your toes. This is God. This is God saying this to me. I can't be just another Fairdale community person that loves Fairdale sports. I got to be a man of God that loves Fairdale sports. We can't be just another church because little 40118 that has 8,000 people has about 800 churches. And y'all know that. I can hit a golf ball from right here and hit about five of them. And tell me one person that wanted to be out last night at 11 that wanted to reach a young person. Tell me one person that said, man, Jesus changed my life when I was a teenager and I can't wait to see him change these hundreds. Presence of God. Distinction because of the presence of God. I want some boldness like Moses has. God, I don't want all your goodness without you. We're here to be distinct. We don't want to be just another church. They see churches. We want to be that church. We want to be the church that has a commitment. We want to be the church that has sacrifice. We want to be the church that has stretch and reach. They will help me. They will care for me. They will not leave me alone. They will love me. They will forgive me. They won't judge me. They will lift me up. I ran into a boy that used to come to the youth group. He never got saved. He never got close to getting saved last night at the fair. One of my things about, favorite things about the fair is I get to run into everybody I've ever met in Fairdale. And I ran into a boy that I used to know back in the day. He only came a few times. I got a ninja challenge we do back in the back. It's got four obstacles. and I'd like to see if anybody can do it. I think he's the only one that's ever done all, all four stages. He's a pretty neat kid. I don't think he graduated from Fairdale. He's 21 now. And he's bad into drugs. You could tell right away last night. I was so happy to see him. I gave him a big hug. My heart was heavy seeing him. I said, you still got my number? He said, I'm not sure. So I handed him my card. It's got my phone number on. I said, man, can we go have lunch sometime? I said, how you doing? He said, I'm not doing too good, but I'm, I'm hanging in there. I'm doing okay. I said, I'd like to talk to you and just see how things are going. He said, man, I'd, I'd really like that. I'd like that. I'm sure he knows a lot of church people. Does he know any that are distinct? I'm sure he knows you. 
Have you made a distinction? Folks, we cannot be. And I pray that it would not happen under my leadership. Just another person who says we're Christian. Just another church that's posted up here in Fairdale. Not making a difference. What is that? Is God a difference maker? Absolutely. Then why are there so many people whose hearts don't beat like Moses? We are to be a distinction. God, it is only through your presence that we are distinct from the rest of the world. Therefore, God, you must go with us, he says. Do you desire that? Do you desire that the presence of God... So that you would be distinct from the world. Moses knows that God must go with him. This might happen in your household sometimes too. I, I was going to tell the story of me and Val, but I figured that might get me in trouble. So I'll just throw out my mom and dad out there. I remember when my mom and dad used to have to get ready to go to like a get together uh, a little meal or a party or something like that. Can't find anything to wear or you're running late or dad's been waiting in the car 15 minutes or something like that. Next thing you know, the house gets tense and they're blaming each other. And so finally, mom says, I ain't going. You just go by yourself. Tell them I'm not feeling well. I'm just going to stay home. You go. You'll have a good time. You just do all that. Y'all seen that before? One of my favorite episodes ever of Everybody Loves Raymond is where he just leaves her. I don't know if y'all have seen that one before, but it's hilarious. But y'all know how that goes. So then my dad says, I ain't going. If you're not going, I'm not going. And there you see the heart of it. Hey, we're in this together. It might get real splintered leading up to it. You're fighting, you're fighting, you're fighting about this. It's your fault, we're late. Well, I'm running late. Well, we got to go. It's this, that. I don't got anything to wear. Who cares? I'll worry about it. you look great. All this sort of that. Well, I'm not going. And then it comes together. If you're not going, I'm not going. We're going together. Folks, that is you with God if you've been saved by Jesus. I don't do anything in which Jesus ain't a part of it. I just had a new members class this morning. I said, we don't have conversations. If Jesus isn't a part of it, we don't stand for any gossip here in the church. None. We don't have conversations. We don't look at websites. We don't get into relationships. We don't spend late night Saturday nights. We don't want to do anything if God's not in the center of it. It is the presence of God that makes us distinct. And the way that we are a difference making people in the world is God's presence with us. And if you can admit today that the presence of God has not been a priority of you, of yours, if you can admit today that you're hardly distinct from everybody else in the world, and so the people around you don't recognize you as the people of God, then I ask you by the power of God, would you repent? When we get to the last song, would you bow your head and say, God, have mercy upon me, a sinner, for not being distinct, for not understanding the presence of God. And would you rejoice that an Old Testament book like Exodus and Moses' little relationship with God has called you to account to say, I need to walk the walk and talk the talk. I need to be somebody who has a relationship with God. The desire of the, God, of the godly is the presence of God. The distinction of the godly is that God is with them. And then lastly, the declaration of the godly. It's what we declare 
Look at verse 17. So that's been Moses talking. And so now God's going to talk back. This very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. I'm going to give you a little side note here. Isn't it fascinating how these last couple chapters of, of Exodus, Moses has such power? Are you not respecting that? We know that God's the God here, but Moses is the one asking all of this, requesting all this, praying all this, pleading all this. And God's the one going, okay, I'm going to destroy these people for the golden calf. Moses says, don't do it. They're yours. God says, okay, I won't. God says, I'm not going with you all because I will destroy you if you do. Moses said, well, we're your people. Please do. We've got to have you go with us. God says, okay, I will. Moses looks like a man of God here with the presence of God here, with the power of God here, distinct from the rest of the world here. He knows God. I'll never forget when I was in St. Thomas talking to that girl named Fono. Awesome girl, led music in that church in St. Thomas. She was in labor. They told her that while she was in labor, her baby was going to die. She was freaking out. The emergency room was going crazy. She stopped the doctor and she said, wait one minute. He said, we can't. The machines are beeping and all that. She said, wait one minute. If you've never seen a lady in St. Thomas, they've got some attitude and some spunk and some Holy Spirit power in them. And she said, wait one minute. He said, we can't. We're under the gun. We're doing this. Your baby's about to die. She said, wait one minute. I got to talk to my father. And she asked them to stop. And right there on that hospital bed, she cried out to God and said, God, I'm yours. You gave me this child. She had never been pregnant. You gave me this child. Don't stop it now. Little Kimmy is a little five-year-old girl running around. That God saved and preserved that baby's life. Because she said, God, hear my prayer. And we see Moses in Exodus acting like this. We're not to confuse Moses as the man and God as the puppet by no means. But we are to see that it's a relationship with God and God has made promises to his people. And all Moses is really doing is reminding God of the promises that God has told him. And we are to be a people who can really come with the promises of God. God, you have told me that you will take care of me. You have given us Psalm 23 to be the most well-known psalm that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. And I promise you that some of you came here today walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I realize that life is often very, very, very hard. But there is something stronger and it is the presence of God. It is not that God fixes your situations. You won't hear us say that. But he will give you strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. As we just say. Let's keep reading. Verse 18. Moses said, remember, God had just spoken. Verse 17, that's God saying, I will do this. You found favor in my sight. I know you by name. Moses said, verse 18, please show me your glory. And it's weird that he says this because every one of us would have said he knows his glory. If there's anybody in the whole world that knows the glory of God, it's Moses. Look at this chapter. But like I said, that's the desire. To be with him. And so now that's the declaration. Show me your glory. God, show me your glory. Verse 19, and he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And will proclaim and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy On whom I will show mercy. 
Moses asked to see the glory of God. That's his declaration. Show me your glory. Moses asks to see it. And God says, okay, I'll show you my name. In other words, I'll show you my name. I'll show you my character. I'll show you who I am. I'll show you what I'm like. He doesn't mean necessarily I need to see you in flesh. I need to understand your ways. Remember, I pointed out that that's what he asked for in verse 13. If I found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways. Verse 13, verse 17, God says, you have found favor in my sight. And so Moses says, please show me your glory. God, I want to know what you're like. God, show us what your heartbeat is right now for immigration in the United States. God, show us what your heartbeat is right now for what's happening with ISIS in the world and all the terrorist stuff. God, show me what is your glory right now in my family with kids doing this and kids doing this and with my marriage. And God, show me what, what is your glory and what's it look like right now. This is what I want. And that's our declaration. We want God to be glorified in us. In our children's ministry, we've gotten back to the catechisms where we teach the kids through question. They work on this every Wednesday night. The first question is, who made you? The kids know the answer is, God made me. The second question is, uh, what else did God make? And the answer to that question is, God made all things. So after two questions, you know that God is the maker. He made everything. The third question is, why did God make you and all things? And the answer to that question that the kids know, three words, for his glory. If you were to ask one of the kids that come to church here those three questions, they would tell it to you. I think they're up to like question eight now. Moses knows that God created for God. God created so that people would worship him. God created so that he would be exalted. And Moses says, I want to see it. I want to know it. I want to be about it. I want to be consumed by it. Show me your glory, God. And then God says, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious. In other words, God's doing that to people in the world. Not everybody sees the glory of God. Some do. That's the declaration of the godly, God's glory. Verse 20 says, But God said, You cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. So in other words, he says, Well, well I can show you my glory, but you can't see me. If you do, you die. I'm too holy. That's what God says. So verse 21, after he says, You can't see my face, here's what God says. And the Lord said, Behold, there's a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock. Y'all remember that song? I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock. It's an old hymnal in our hymn book. I'll hide you in a cleft of the rock. God says, here's what I'll do. You want to see my glory? I'll show it to you. You can't see my face. It'd kill you. But there's a rock over there and I'll hide you in it. Look what it says. Verse 22. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I'll take away my hand and you shall see my back. But my face shall not be seen. He says, Moses, I'll let you see my glory. But only a part of my glory. 
Only a partial glimpse of my glory. You can't stand to see it all. But I'll show it to you. Moses is desiring to see life through the glory of God perspective instead of through his own perspective. You remember, Moses used to look from his own perspective. Do you remember when he called Moses? Do you remember that? Remember, Moses wasn't able to talk well. The Bible says that he had like a, a lisp or he was slow of speech or, or something was going on with the way Moses talked. And so when God says Moses is going to be the man who is the leader of all my people, Moses is like, no way. You, you, don't, you don't know how I talk. I can't talk in front of people. This, this won't work. See, Moses wasn't as strong then as he is now with this presence of God stuff. The last thing on Moses' mind right now. It's his speech impediment. That's long gone, isn't it? Hey, when the presence of God comes, you won't be held back by your limitations. When the presence of God comes, you won't be held back by your own gifts and abilities. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. The presence of God is making a difference in Moses' life. He's asking for the glory of God, and God is showing him his glory. Lecrae Moore came out with a new CD this week. I love this line. He says, and it just so happens I'm wrestling with my status. I'm trying to see me like he do, not focusing on this madness. I know he do is not proper grammar. Folks, that's me and you. I'm trying to see me through the glory of God perspective and not through a sinful, unable, incompetent Josh Green perspective. The declaration of the godly is show me your glory. The desire of the godly is the presence of God and the distinction is God with us separate from the world. I want to ask you if you've ever received the presence of God. The Bible says that if you're not saved and in Christ, then you don't have God. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. The Bible says that God is not your father if you're not saved. The Bible says that God is only the father to those who have believed in Jesus. The Bible says that if you are not saved, then you do not have God. The Bible says that if you would get saved, then that is the Holy Spirit coming to live inside of you. We, we call that the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to ask you today, if you would not think about the presence of God as you're not doing good enough. But that maybe you've never believed. Or maybe you've been ignoring it. If you have believed. I want to ask you today to get right. That you would have a desire, the presence of God. You would have a distinction. God is with you, separate from the world. And you would have a declaration that says all day, every day, in whatever situation, God, show me your glory. And you would know that he is. You see the glory of God in your workplace. You see the glory of God. Listen to this. You see the glory of God in your continual sinning because you're so quick to repent. You're okay to confess your sins to God. You're okay to confess your sins to your brother or sister, or to your family, or to your pastor. Last night we were riding rides, and my kids are growing up now. JJB seven in January, and 
We were riding rides and I'm not much of a ride rider. Never have been. So I was watching them ride the rides. But then as you move like towards that little softball field over there, the rides got a little bit bigger. They had rap music playing on those rides. And J.J. said, you want to ride that one? I said, okay. And I walked over there and said, he's kind of small. Is he able to ride it? They're like, yeah, he's good. By the way, those guys, I think, will say he's good no matter what. They said, yeah, he's good. I said, okay. So I'm like, all right, J.J., here's your three tickets. Don't lose them. Have fun. And he said, you're not coming? I said, no, 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 no I'm not coming. Uh, it was that one that like does this and this at the same time. I said, no, I'm not. He said, why not? I, I wanted you to go with me. And at that point, I'm thinking, am I a bad dad or a good dad? Should I just do it? I said, no, I don't do rides, J.J. Daddy gets really sick on rides. I'm not going. I'm not going either. Why not? I want you to do it. It'll be fun. Here's your three tickets. No, I'm not going. Why? I don't want to get sick. I don't want to get sick. I don't want to get sick. I don't like throwing up. I don't want to do it. He's recently been watching the movie Sandlot a lot. He watched that movie Sandlot, and they eat that tobacco when they ride their rides at the carnival, and they all puke, and he's got that in his mind. I couldn't get him to do it then. It was done. In my mind, I thought, if I'd have done it, he'd have done it. But if I don't do it, he's not doing it. Folks, I want to ask you, I want to ask you, be that way with God. Be that way with Jesus. If he's doing it, I'm doing it. If he's not doing it, I'm not doing it. I've got a relationship with God. It cost him his life because of my sins. Now we're connected. I heard a man say one time that he and Jesus are like sweet tea. Once you've mixed it up, you can't get that sugar out the tea. You can't get that tea out the sugar. They're mixed. Folks, let's be that way with Jesus. He's with me. He's my desire. He's my distinction. He's my declaration. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you that the book of Exodus is teaching us so much, God. We're not those that say the Old Testament's old or outdated or not applicable or doesn't connect. God is connecting with me right now so much. Father, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins and have mercy upon me where I'm not distinct. And I pray, God, that your spirit would be mighty in me and in us, that we would be distinct. And we would be consumed by your glory, captivated by it. And God, I ask that you would make our church stronger because of your presence. God, don't let us face Monday, September the 22nd, if you're not going with us. God, don't let me face that opponent, that enemy this week, if you're not going with us. God, don't let us have that meeting or that sinful encounter or that drama in the church or that relationship that is tense. If you're not going with us. Have mercy upon us, God, as you said, you will. That we would be a people that are for your glory. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.